This is Cover 2, a podcast on the Cleveland Browns. Hit! Browns are going to win! Mayfield, end zone, Landry, touchdown! With Dan Kadar and Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich of the Akron Beacon Journal and Ohio.com. With Steve Dorshuk from the Canton Repository. Everybody, welcome back to Cover 2. This is Dan Cater, of course, joined by Browns beat writer Nate Ulrich. Nate, how have you been? Good, Dan. How's it going? Very, very good. We're recording late in the week this week because it's it's a very different week. We're recording Friday around 3 o'clock because the Browns season has come to a conclusion. The team was knocked out of the playoffs by the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs in a very good fun, entertaining game. The Browns just came up a little bit short, and, uh, and so the week was a little different. Normally, we record on Tuesdays because that's the that's generally the day, you know, there's, there's not a lot going on in Brown's world, relatively speaking, of course. But this week, it was all sorts of different various interviews, media sessions, and all that. So we, we had to push it back this week to today. Uh, but on this podcast, we will be talking about the offseason for the Cleveland Browns coming off their first uh, real good season, quite frankly, since they've been back in 1999, if you ask me. But uh, the, the Browns are a different team now under Kevin Stefanski. And so today on Cover 2, we're going to be breaking down the offseason. And again, as I say, every podcast all of our coverage of the team can be found over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. There's some really good stuff up there right now. Nate has five takeaways from general manager Andrew Barry's press conference, which I'm sure we'll be touching on multiple times on this podcast. Steve Dorschuk has a very optimistic look at why the Browns could be very good next year. Marla Ridenauer, we pulled something out of the archives from her on uh, Hank Aaron, who passed away on Friday, uh, and he was a big Browns fan, believe it or not. So if you haven't read any of that stuff, again, that's beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. But Nate, let's let's talk what this team has coming up in the offseason. There's a, there's a very big elephant in the room in the form of Baker Mayfield and his contract. This has kind of been the the thing that's been overarching in the whole season, if you ask me, what do you do with Baker Mayfield? And I think at this point, following how he closed the season, how he played in playoffs, how he's really become the team leader, I don't think there's a question that he is deserving of a big contract from the Browns. But in your opinion, does that big contract come this offseason? 
Dan, I'm leaning toward it coming this season, this off season. Um, we closed the last podcast saying that he deserves it, and I know you you put a headline on it, and um, you know I think that that was uh, something that we both felt strongly about, and I think we were both in agreement on that, and I think that the Browns are in agreement on that. You know, it's really interesting to hear them talk though, because they just don't want to publicly commit to him long term. They don't want to call him a franchise quarterback. They don't want to get into any, um, you know, actual concrete answers about what they would like to do, um, whether that's just simply exercising the fifth year option that we know is due in early May or actually going into contract extension talks this offseason. So this is my forecast. They're going to do the fifth year option. Okay, that'll be probably announced the last week of April. Uh, it's due in early May. And so, you know, the announcement could come the first day or two of May as well. But I think that it'll happen in that two-week window of late April, early May. And then I believe that they will talk contract extension with them and see if they can get something done, you know, by summer. Um, that follows the trajectory uh, that Andrew Barry employed with Miles Garrett last year. He applied the fifth-year option, and then by July 15th, they had a contract extension agreement in place, and Garrett signed it quickly, and that was that. And I think that that's what they're going to do with Baker Mayfield. They don't, like I said, want to say it. Kevin Stefanski spoke. Uh, on Monday for a season wrap-up Zoom with, with myself and other beat writers. And Andrew Barry actually spoke Friday and Wednesday, I believe. And um, they were both very consistent about questions about Baker Mayfield. Basically, I'll just sum up and paraphrase what they said. And it's both guys praising Baker Mayfield, saying they're very pleased with him, saying he grew up and matured before their eyes in terms of on the field and off the field, his comfort in the system. His play was really, really good. And words like tremendous were even used to describe his 2020 season. And Andrew Barry repeatedly said we wouldn't be where we got without him, um, you know, all the talk pointed to them being very happy with Baker Mayfield. And it's just, I think it's, it's just kind of one of those semantic things where they do not want to take it to the next step and say, yeah, we really want to have him long-term. We want to lock him up to the big extension. We view him as our quarterback for the foreseeable future because they just, that's just the thing that they've made up their minds about. They don't want to discuss anything publicly related to contracts. That's just Andrew Barry's MO and Kevin Stefanski is in lockstep with him on that. So Kevin Stefanski's not going to go say something that is anything along those lines because he doesn't want to undermine Andrew Barry in the way he wants to roll in these situations. You know, I even asked Stefanski something on Monday and he referred it to Andrew Barry. And it wasn't even, hey, are you going to sign this guy long term or anything like that? But it was about heavy, you know, franchise quarterback. And, and to explain the context of it, 
I listen to all the interviews that these guys do. If they're on a podcast, I'm listening. If they're on local radio, I'm listening. If they're on national TV, national radio, I'm listening. So in addition to all the Zooms that I do as part of the the local media contingent, of course, everybody on the beat, um, you know, who's in it day in, day out, you know, myself and some colleagues, we're paying attention to everything that these guys say in any kind of public forum. And so during the season, I think it was around the bye weeks, Kevin Stefanski went on local radio, 92.3 The Fan, and was asked, is Baker Mayfield your, your franchise quarterback? And the question had a little bit more sizzle to it then than it did now because, you know, I think this was right after, uh, you know, they lost to the Raiders. Baker had struggled two weeks previously against the Steelers, obviously bounced back with the big game against the Bengals. But it was at that point where Baker had yet to catch fire and had the second half of the season he had. And Stefanski at the time just said, like, hey, basically, you know, these things will work themselves out. These these things just tend to work themselves out. It was definitely not, yeah, he's our franchise quarterback. It was like, hey, I think he's going to continue to get better. And these things just tend to work themselves out. And so after that hot second half of the season, after two playoff games, including a win in Pittsburgh, a first playoff win in franchise history against the Steelers, and a trip to the divisional round for the first time since early 1995, the 1994 season, to be uh, exact. I said to Stefanski, hey, remember that time you were asked on the radio if Baker's a franchise quarterback and you said these things, uh, you know, kind of figure themselves as they play out? How would you characterize how it played out? And he just kind of smiled and said, well, you know, really happy with Baker, all that stuff. But I'm make sure you say that question for Andrew Barry. Uh, you're going to get him later in the week and throw that on his plate. So I think they're kind of having almost a little bit of a fun in how they're not saying what, you know, we <laughs> in the media would like them to say. They don't want to spell it out. Um, and I think it's just a negotiating thing and just kind of a, a pet peeve of Andrew Barry where he does not want to discuss contracts publicly and really even getting him to say that he planned on exercising the fifth year option of Miles Garrett and David Njoku like a formality for, for them last year, obviously, especially with Garrett, that was hard to get him to say that was like pulling teeth and he didn't say it until the combine. So, I mean, that's, you know, the combine is late February. So in, in late January, they're just not ready to say those things. But I, if you listen to what they say, other than not actually coming right out and saying the contract extension is going to be on the horizon, they're saying the things that you say when you feel really good about a guy and he is your quarterback that you want to commit to. That is a really good way of putting it because I, I kind of feel like, you know, some of the vibe among the fan base is, hey, the season's over. What are you going to do with Baker Mayfield right now? Get him a new contract right now. You know, tell us you're going to give him a new contract right now. And this thing, it's not going to happen next week. You know, it's going to take a while. Like you mentioned, they have the deadline in May for picking up his fifth year option. So it's, it's quite a ways off, but Nate, I want you to shift from beat writer mode to uh, Andrew Barry mode, if you will. And because uh, there's a great 
talking point right now about what kind of contract you give Baker Mayfield. Obviously, he's not going to get the Patrick Mahomes, the the 10-year, $450 to $503 million contract, which I can't believe is a thing. And I, I know Patrick Mahomes earned it. He's the arguably best player in the NFL, but that contract is just ludicrous. Uh, just in, in scope. Um, but then you have things like Carson Wentz of the Eagles a couple of years ago. He got a four-year deal that's worth, what, 32, 30-something 30 million a year. You have the Deshaun Watson deal the Texans did. That's worth, that's four years and just shy of $40 million a year. You have uh, the Jared Goff deal that's, very similar to Wentz. It's a four-year deal worth $134 million. So those three, which to me are kind of Baker Mayfield's contemporaries, four-year contracts, upwards of 30 to high $30 million a year. But if you're Andrew Barry, you know, what, what kind of contract do you want to give Baker Mayfield? Is he... Yep, we'll we'll just do four years for X amount of money. Is he a guy you you toy around with the idea of, you know what, this is our franchise guy. Let's try and do a, a longer deal in four years. If you were Andrew Barry, what would you want to do with Baker Mayfield? Because it's a it's such a huge commitment financially and Time-wise, what would you do with Baker Mayfield? Well, I mean, if I'm Andrew Barry and I really just want to, like, have my cake and eat it too, I think (laughs) deep down you got to want to do the fifth-year option and see more, right? I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's what's going to happen. It's a possibility, though. It really is a possibility. I think Mm -hmm. that you say, like, what do you have here? You have what? A 10-game stretch that was really good after that bye week? After that bye week that, that Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski, and Alex Van Pelt have repeatedly talked about how important it was to play catch-up a little bit because of the time they missed together, them being a new staff, him being with them for the first time in an offseason with no you know in-person practices until mid-August in training camp, no preseason games and all that because of the pandemic. So they really coveted that bye week. They got together. They got on the same page, threw stuff out that he wasn't comfortable with. They emphasized stuff that he was comfortable with. And they all credit that all the time in that this turnaround he had. Um, but I think that if you're Andrew Barry and you could just like have this situation exactly the way you want it, you would probably just fifth your option and, and wait a little bit and kind of, you know, hey, show me that you deserve one of these blockbuster quarterback contracts, because when he does get the contract extension, whether it's July or, you know, June or, or May or during the 2021 season or beyond whatever it is, it's going to be blockbuster. This is a number one overall pick in the draft. This is a guy who, is going to be right in line with the top quarterback contracts with the exception of, I believe Mahomes. I, you know, I just think that's, that's the outlier. 
and people understand mm-hmm. that. And I don't think Baker Mayfield or his agents are going to be expecting to get paid like Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, so I do think that uh, it's going to be, you know, 35 plus um, and maybe approaching, maybe approaching, but not quite matching Watson, but in the, in the neighborhood, I mean, this is a number one overall pick again in 2018. And, and, and this is the, the market for these quarterbacks. So it's going to be lucrative. It's going to be that way. Um, the reason why I kind of, I could see it playing out where they do the fifth year option and wait a little bit, but, and what I mean is like, wait to see more games. But what I think is more likely, and what I said at the beginning when answering your first question, is that I'm leaning extension this offseason. And I've talked about this before a lot with Odell Beckham Jr. and having a lot of talent and one football and all that. It's the human element. I mean, when you talk to people who uh, are in this business, they talk about it being a people business. And when a guy does everything you've asked of him, adapts with, to this system, hits it off with the new coaching staff, gets his body right, and has a kind of turnaround that Baker Mayfield did and, and leads the team every step of the way to the team's best season since 1994, first playoff win since January 1st, 1995. I mean, typically you do right by that guy in this people business. And this just, it's not one of those kind of, hey, you know, middle to lower tier players, you know, middle to lower tier, uh, you know, importance of position. No, this is the quarterback, the face of the franchise, the most important position in sports. And it's so high profile uh, and everybody is paying attention to it that I just think that you do right by him and and you get it done sooner than later. Uh, so that's my long way of answering. If I were Andrew Barry, I think I wish I could see more games, but I have to understand that with a quarterback, there is some special treatment. It's just inherent. And for optics, for, you know, just kind of, the relationship that you want to have with people, namely your, your starting quarterback and, and mm-hmm. some of the other top players on the team who support him, that I think you get this done. Here is where I don't envy being Andrew Barry. And this might be the only time I don't want to be Andrew Barry. You know, the highly successful, incredibly smart Ivy League educated uh, I guess you call him an attractive dude with a full head of hair, by the way, which I don't have. He's the, um, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, here's how I describe him. Sure. He's the, he's the nicest, kindest genius <laughs> I, I think that has ever existed. I mean, really, he has that the combination of brilliance, but he is a genuinely nice, down-to-earth person who doesn't, basically flaunt you know that he's the smartest man in the room whenever he walks in the room well i very much would like to be andrew barry except in this regard i am extremely fully on board with giving baker mayfield the big contract because i think that i think everything you just outlined is particularly 
spot on with the optics of it. But the difficulty becomes, and we, we've never been a salary cap specialty podcast. We, we, at least I don't have every single number known in my brain and, and what it means percentage wise, but we do know the NFL salary cap is going down this off season. I, I don't know how frequently it's gone up, but it seems like it just goes up every off season. Now it's going down at a time where the Browns have this huge deal to give their franchise quarterback and at a time where they also have to weigh, hey, what do we do with Denzel Ward, who's in the same situation? What do we do with Nick Chubb, who, to me, I think has earned a, a big contract, even though he plays a position at running back that is generally kind of an afterthought for a lot of NFL teams. Obviously, it's not for the Browns because it's really the identity of, of their offense, but it's going to be a really tough, decision you have to make somewhere I think for the Browns when you have these big deals to consider particularly when you have Odell Beckham on a huge number you have Jarvis Landry on a huge number both of the same position you have Sheldon Richardson next season on a huge number J.C. Treader, Jack Conklin Joel Batonio great offensive linemen who you need and they earned it but they're on big money numbers and then you have the best player on the team miles garrett who is on a very deserved big money deal they i i just don't know how all this math adds up with with all these players um so i i guess the 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 turn i'm taking on this podcast today to kind of move us forward is if you're Andrew Barry, what what do you do next after you say, okay, we're 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 going to do the Baker Mayfield deal? What you know do you do you revisit the Odell Beckham question? I, I know he kind of shot that down, but I think it's valid. I know Kevin Stefanski shot it down too in, in these various uh, media sessions you were in or or listened to. But it, it's still valid, I think. Or, you know, what do you do? You wait on Denzel Ward? Do you wait on Nick Chubb? It, it's tough. What do you do if you're Andrew Barry? Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, there is there's a a numbers crunch, and with the uh, revenue falling because of the pandemic, yeah, the, the salary cap's going to be like. Well, the floor is 175 million per team, and you know there's been a lot of reports lately. It's going to be about 180. So we'll see. But you know the good thing is the Browns are in pretty good cat uh, situation, and I think that they're going to be able to to navigate it. Um, but you're right. I mean, there are a lot of questions. All the ones you ask are great, and if you do extend Baker, it doesn't. I don't think you can sit there and say, well, we're going to get it all done uh, before the, you know, 2021 season with our young core. I just don't think you extend Baker, extend Nick Chubb, and extend Denzel Ward all in one offseason, given the, you know, um, 
roster makeup and, and the salaries you have elsewhere and the uh, salary cap situation um, league-wide. So, yeah, you have to, you're going to have to prioritize um, pick and choose, and the timing is going to um, maybe be different than you would, would want it to be in under normal normal circumstances without the salary cap that, that's that's dropped and andrew berry said those exact things the other day so obviously he's not telling us which ones which which moves are going to get the green light and which ones are going to be paused um but you know it if they do the baker mayfield uh contract extension i could see them like fifth year op doing that they're gonna at minimum fifth year option baker and denzel right but i could see denzel not getting the extension this offseason because that's going to be a huge contract that those cornerback contracts are not quarterback contracts but the cornerback contracts are are blockbuster deals and he, he's going to again fourth overall pick a pro bowl as a rookie played at a high level um you know, the, the knock on him is really the only knock on him that I'm aware of, injury history. I mean, we, we've seen it every season now. And I'm not talking about him missing the game with COVID um, or a couple games with COVID. But he, he did have the calf strain and missed three games. Uh, so, you know, that that's, yeah. that's a thing. The hamstring was a thing last year that cost him four games and – Injuries as a rookie, including two concussions late in the season. So, you know, I don't know if, again, you, you, he's a guy that you would normally extend, but, but you don't because, you know, if you do the Baker contract, then you, then you kind of wait and see. And, and Nick Chubb's a little bit different, though, because there's no fifth year option for Nick Chubb because he wasn't a first round pick. So I don't know, man. I mean, I would almost, and I, I don't know if this would, this is could be realistic, but I could see a scenario in which Baker Mayfield and Nick Chubb get done and Denzel Ward doesn't. And I know that wouldn't make a lot of sense to to a lot of people who would would accurately point to cornerback being a huge position of importance in the analytics world. I think that the PFF pro football focus um, thinking in a lot of ways now is that corners are more important than edge rushers um, and have kind of leapfrog, you know, the, the elite defensive end position is a, is the top defensive priority, but you know, running back obviously isn't that in, in the analytics community. <laughs> it's quite on the opposite end of the spectrum. However, just the timing of it makes me think that it's possible that that could happen just because you don't have that fifth year option with Nick Chubb. I mean, could you ride things out and, and, and re-sign him before he were to hit the open market in March of 2022? Yes, you could, but that's not the way Andrew Barry wants to do things either. I mean, he wants to extend his star players well be before crunch time you know that was his that was kind of a big hang-up that he had when it came to walking into the job that's you know a year ago and here he's sitting with everyone asking him what are you gonna do with joe Schobert? 
bottom line is he just didn't want to pay Joe Schobert what Joe Schobert could get elsewhere. But he also referenced many times that like, hey, you know, I wasn't here to to get these extension talks like going much earlier the way I would have wanted to. Like, I want to extend guys like, you know, when they had that year left, when they had that season left and not wait to the last minute and, and try to, you know, lay the groundwork when it's too late. So that's kind of the reason I think that it could it could be a little bit interesting with Nick Chubb. Now, of course, you can use a franchise tag. And, and so I don't know if you would want to do that um, with Nick Chubb, but that's something that we can't rule out either. So. I guess what I'm saying, Dan, is it's a long way saying that I just don't see all three of those guys getting extended this offseason, but maybe because of you you have more time, you can buy yourself more time with Denzel Ward because of the fifth-year option than you can with Nick Chubb. Yeah, it's it's completely understandable why Andrew Barry likes to do those contracts the way he does in advance when you can, it's just smart business, but man, it's, it's, it's just going to be tough. I'll tell you, like, I, I like your scenario of, of when they do things. There's the scenario of you, you give Mayfield the big contract. You wait a year on Denzel Ward and you just let Chubb ride out, and you you franchise him, you know. So it's tough. I mean, the, the cornerback contracts, the big ones are are really big. Jalen Ramsey averages twenty million dollars a year uh, for the Rams. That that's huge. Marlon Humphrey of the Ravens, just under twenty million. Tre'Davious uh, Wade of the Bills, eighteen million a year. Or so. So the, these contracts are really, really big. And I, I think if you're Nick Chubb, you can get there. But it's I don't think you're there at this point because of the injury stuff. So that, that's going to be a, so fascinating, Nate. I got to tell you, I, I do not envy the Brown salary cap person. Uh, they're, they're in for a, a very long offseason, but there, there's – even more of the Browns have to figure out here. So if you're forecasting the Browns offseason and figuring out what you do with this big trio of young core players is is at the top, you know, what's what's the next step for the Browns this offseason and, and things they have to check off? Well, you know, obviously you mentioned the Odell question. I don't want to spend, you know, 20 minutes on it or anything, but you got to figure sure. out. You got to figure that out. And I think, I really think they want him. I really think that they want to keep him and get a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. for a season. It hasn't happened yet. And I think the thing that goes overlooked is the Haslam's want him. Yep. So I'm not just, saying the ha- I'm not saying that the Haslam's are making these personnel decisions and all that, but I think that. From the very top down, people want to give Odell a chance to be the player that he hasn't been able to show in Cleveland. And here's the sad thing about it. It's hard. It's hard when you had all these injuries, especially the leg injuries, pile up. And there's no guarantee 
that he's going to come back and ever be healthy for a full season with the Browns. The bottom line is it hasn't happened yet. His first season, he had that core muscle injury. He played all 16 games, but he wasn't himself. He, he, he couldn't get open the way he normally does. And then you saw early this season the difference. You saw him take over the game in Arlington, Texas at Jerry World. I mean, if they don't win that game, they're not going to the playoffs because we know they needed every single win they had to get in. So you saw the difference with a healthy Odell, and then you saw him get hurt, and then you saw the offense and Baker take off without him. And then you had that whole chicken or the egg argument, right? Like, did the offense and Baker just get better because that was going to be the natural progression of the offense and Baker and getting used to Stefanski and have that coveted bye week that we've already talked about? Or did Odell actually being sidelined free Baker, alleviate him of some pressure and allow him to play more, uh, you know, naturally, smoothly, in rhythm, going through progressions without the pressure of having to appease Odell and his desire for the ball and, you know, just like the inherent pressure with having a superstar receiver. <laughs> so I don't know the answer. I, I go back and forth all the time. The statistics are uh, undeniable, um, you know, but if you ask the coaches and you talk to them and you talk to Baker, they all, they all assume that the offense would have taken off even if Odell would have remained healthy, and then it would have been even more dangerous in the long run. And I think if you watch that Chiefs game, I know you don't want to talk much about it, Dan, because we're turning the page here, but if you watch that Chiefs game, <laughs> the bottom line is the Browns blew their chance with Michael Jordan on the bench for three <laughs> quarters of the second half. There's no yeah. shame in losing the defending Super Bowl chance, but – we grew up watching the Cavs. Obviously, we still watch the Cavs, but Dane, remember in our youth how Michael Jordan just crushed really good Cavs teams. Of course, everybody knows about the shot. Okay? Well, this is a really good Browns team that had today's NFL version of Michael Jordan in the locker room and hurt from 727, I think it was, left in the third quarter on. And they did not capitalize on that and win the game. And I think when you look back at it, you say, "Wow, what would they would have? What would that matchup would have looked like if they had Odell Beckham Jr. in there? What would it look like if they had a faster defense?" And that's my segue to you to the next thing, and it's it's defense. Nice. It's defense. How many times have we talked about it? It's 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 the linebacking core. It's the secondary. It's other than Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, you need some more star power on the defense. And above all, you need fast players. You need speed to match up with these teams that you're going to have to get past in the AFC if you want to reach the first Super Bowl for the Cleveland Browns. And when you look at the final four quarterbacks in the divisional round in the AFC, you got Mayfield and the guys you would have to face, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and their weapons. And those guys are mobile quarterbacks with a lot of electric weapons. And obviously the Browns didn't get it done twice against the Ravens uh, in the 2020 season, as great of a season as it was. You got to figure out 
and I know Lamar Jackson is a video game and all that, but you've got to figure out a better way to match up. And and same with Mahomes and those guys. And I think that I think it really the the bottom line you can go round and round and, and talk, you know, way more technical than this, but I just think you need a lot more speed. Yeah, you do, and it, it was very evident from the first chief series of that game where Tyreek Hill was was the guy that was going to create the mismatches for them, and he did, and they went to him frequently in unique ways, and then that opened up things for Travis Kelsey, and bing, bang, boom, your, your undermanned defense uh, just can't stop the Chiefs, and then that's the Chad Henney thing. Oh, Nate, now you now you got me angry. Chad Henney, how do you lose to Chad Henney? That's that's unbelievable. Like I mean, even it, during it, the game. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean the Browns went. They they ended up twelve and six. I mean, come on. I mean, it's, it was such a remarkable turnaround. But within sure. that, the special circumstances that yeah, I mean, it was. Horace Grant, right? I mean, Horace Grant, he was, he was pretty good, but he wasn't Michael Jordan, you know, and that's not even the best analogy, but whoever Chad um, Henny would be, Tony Kukoc. Tony sure. Kukoc ran for 13 yards on third and 14 and then threw for five yards to, to ice the game. <laughs> like, Tony Kukoc is all right, you know, and he was still surrounded by some good players, right? I mean, there's no doubt. He's still, he's still a Super Bowl champion. He's still an NBA champion. And he's still Super Bowl champ. I mean, you know, it's just <sighs> Patrick Mahomes in the locker room. I mean, <laughs> that that's that's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, it's that's rough. That that fourth and nine play, uh, not going for it there. I, I understand the the logic of not going for it. I know Stefanski has has talked about that quite a bit, but the play before. Uh, man, my my first reaction was, oh man, Kareem Hunt hesitated before he caught the ball. If he caught it in stride, he would have got enough yards for to make that fourth down more feasible. Uh, you know, a fourth and five, a fourth and six, something like that. Then they they might have gone for that, but fourth and nine, so tough. Um, man, still Chad Henney, dang. Well, if you go back what and you look at, if you go back and look at the third and eleven. And I asked Kareem about that the other day. He was one of the um, the Zoom uh, participants we got this week as a, as a mm-hmm. kind of wrap-up Monday through Wednesday. He said the ball wasn't supposed to come to him. I mean, obviously, it was a check down. He's in the right flat. And after the game, right. immediately, he was like, what was that play? But really, I, after having a chance to rewatch it, um, you know, White Teller gets beat. White Teller gets beat. Chris Jones and, and you know, who are their best defensive players? Chris Jones and Tyron Matthew, one of their elite defensive players, made a huge play in a huge moment. He gets he gets by White Teller and, and, and hits uh, Baker. He was so Baker's facing pressure right up the middle and and Jones gets a quarterback hit on that play. Um, Baker just dumped it off because really he he had no choice. And uh you know, like Kareem said, the ball wasn't supposed to come to me, but 
Baker got a, got some pressure and and thought maybe I could do something with it. But yeah, then that's one of those things where Kareem Hunt, obviously, we talked about it last time, and I did get a chance to to ask him uh, what he meant when he said that that game was going to be personal, and he said his bragging rights, and uh, I'm glad he said that um, because you know. If you listened the last time, you know how I felt that, you know, he wasn't wronged by the Chiefs or anything. Um, but he was texting with Kelsey and Mahomes uh, ahead of the game. And, and you know, <laughs> friends talk trash, that kind of thing. Well, uh, you know, unfortunately for Kareem, he was the last uh, player on the Browns offense to touch the ball. And they never got it back after that, that play. That third and 11, that went for two yards. Yeah, that that was a brutal, brutal way to go. But be that as it may, it, that's, that's in the past. We're talking about the future. Damn it. Oh, okay, man, well, hey, let me let me ask you this, Mr. Future. Yes, sure. <laughs> uh, you know, they have the 26th overall pick. Yeah. Uh, you think uh, I was so hyped when I when I saw you did a mock draft for our website. Um, so Dan's mock draft is on BeaconJournal.com. And you assigned the Browns a player, but I'm just kind of wondering if you have some guys off, off the top of your head who you think will be around there. Or, you know, obviously we know how the draft goes and, and guys who we might think are candidates for 26 overall now won't be you know in the spring but what's your early look at you know maybe five or so defenders who could be there sure well my my first initial reaction to to what the browns could do in the first round of the draft is that absolutely they need to get faster in the back seven and I, i think that was apparent plenty of times like we just talked about Tyreek Hill or Lamar Jackson running the ball or you know Stephon Diggs on the Bills because at at this point if you're the Browns you are matching up against playoff teams you're not you're not just you know building your your roster of 53 you're matching up against playoff teams the problem with that for the Browns is that the linebacker group in in the 2021 draft to me right now, just I haven't done as much research as I typically have done at this point because the Browns were good this year. Linebacker's not good. There's Micah Parsons from Penn State who is probably going to be a top 10 pick. So if you kind of punt the linebacker in the first round, which I, I think you might, unless you really like Zavin Collins from Tulsa to give, to give everybody a name. Um, Linebacker is going to be tough. And you just wonder if they just go with B.J. Goodson. I really like uh, Phillips, Jake Phillips that they have. I think Mac Wilson is, is okay. But if you punt on the linebacker position in the first round, you think, okay, you, you mentioned earlier, analytics, PFF, they might prefer cornerbacks over um, pass rushers. But then it becomes an argument of, okay, if that's the case, you you assume you're going to have Greedy Williams back. Now that that's going to be tough because that that injury 
it's a nerve injury, and you just don't know until you get him back. But if you go with a with a cornerback in the first round, there are there are some names. Patrick Sertain of Alabama is really good, probably gone by twenty six. J.C. Horn of of South Carolina, he's a good player. Uh, he may or may not be around there at, at twenty six. He's an outside corner. He's big. Uh, I think he would match up with with Denzel Ward really well, um, stuff like that. Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech, he took the season off um, because players could do that because of the pandemic from Virginia Tech. He's really good. He's really big, and he's fast. I don't know if he's there at 26. That's tough. And then after that, you get into guys who, you know, might not be first-round type players. You know, Tyson Campbell of Georgia. Uh, he's kind of a, a he's he's greedy Williams essentially. So you want that player twice. Sean Wade from Ohio State. If, Nate, if we said the Browns were going to have the 26th pick a year ago, and we did this talk, I would say sure Sean Wade would be be great. He had a bad year at Ohio State. So if it's not one of these cornerbacks, and you think okay, Olivier Vernon, he. Might not be back. Torn Achilles. He's older. He's expensive. Um, you know, so then, then you think pass rusher, which is what I did in that first mock draft. And by the way, the plan hopefully is going to be to do a mock draft every Monday. Um, and then we'll see about some other draft content up there um, too. But you think about defensive end. Gregory Rousseau of Miami sat out the season. He's a freaky athlete. He's really big. He would be great across from Miles Garrett. But that position, guess what? Probably not there at 26. And this is kind of the the problem that the Browns face, where, you know, in the past, we're talking about top five picks. And essentially everybody is on the board. But now, you know, do you wonder... Whitey Pay of Michigan is is he a guy? He's the guy who I gave the Browns in the in that first mock draft. He's he's really good. Jalen Phillips, the other pass rusher from Miami, is is pretty good. Carlos Basham from Wake Forest is a little different. He's a bigger kind of Adrian Claiborne kind of end. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's going to be tough because all of a sudden you're in the the back part of the first round. So. The, the needs, I think, are pretty obvious, Nate, but the fits, that, that, that's where it gets kind of tough when you're at 26. Yeah, um, I do like the idea, again, a defensive end. Uh, I think that, you know, any anywhere really <laughs> on the defense. I mean, we've talked about it yep. a ton, but I think you just, you're probably going to end up wanting to pick and and maybe some of it will be dictated by free agency and, you know, your your focus becomes a little more clear by the time the draft arrives. But you're probably going to want to pick the best defensive player at 26, just the best defensive player available at 26. Because other than Miles Garrett and, and Denzel Ward, you've just got needs, or not even necessarily needs, but you've got spots you can upgrade across the board you just need talent yeah Yeah, you just you've got you've got some good players uh after those two stars um but nobody who's gonna make you 
you know, refrain from turning in your the card for the first round pick at a given position. So that that's kind of how I would put it. You know, and and I but I really like defensive end. Defensive end is going to be like this year. Defensive end is going to be like in the 2021 offseason what left tackle was last um, offseason where all signs point to the Browns drafting a left tackle. It just makes so much sense. It's such an important position. And then, of course, they use the 10th overall pick on Jedrick Wills. Turned out great. You know, so I think defensive end is going to be like that. Obviously, things are a lot different when you're picking 26th and 10, right? You know, a lot more uh, opportunities for guys you really like to get picked uh, before you go on the clock. You know, I don't know if you, you want to trade up. We'll see. But um, I do know that Olivier Vernon with a ruptured Achilles and, and on the wrong side of 30 is – going to be very unlikely to uh, be your answer. Uh, just, I, I, he, he's, a, he's a free agent in March, and I just don't see him coming back. If, if he does make a comeback, that it's going to be somewhere else. Um, just because of all the things we talked about with you know the money they have to pay guys. Now, of course, what's really sad for him is he had such a great second half of the season, and then I'm sure just – I can't even put a number on how many millions of dollars he lost with that injury in the season finale. But anyway, I asked Andrew Barry about him, and the tone was that he's heartbroken for me. Talked to him the other day, and, you know, we kind of wait and see on things. So, I mean, to me, logic just tells us that they're going to be in need for a starting defensive end opposite Miles Garrett, and it's going to be a glaring need because of the importance of the position. And, yeah, you need a lot of speed in the back seven, but I, the, the best way to combat these guys who are, like I said, Josh Allen, who you didn't face this year, but is going to be in the mix, you, you would think, for the foreseeable future in the playoff picture, Lamar Jackson, and, and that one is maybe even a more important matchup than the others because – you're gonna, you're not gonna have three AFC North teams make the playoffs every year. You might have a couple, but you're still gonna want to win the division. You want, you know, eventually, if, if the Browns want to get where they want to go, home playoff game is a huge goal, right? I mean, yep. you're gonna want to win that division. And Lamar Jackson beat you twice this year. One of the games, what would he do? He, he had that movie scene where he went in the, oh. in the locker room, and and. Unlike Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson came back. He, he was cramping up. He came back, second game uh, back from COVID, and he ripped their hearts out in prime time in, a, in an instant classic shootout. Um, so I, I'm rambling a little bit here, but the bottom line is, yes, pass rush, pass rush, pass, pass rush, and it can't just be Miles Garrett, and <laughs> you're going to need probably some – uh, some some to hit really well on this because it, when you when you when you look at that need and, and you look at some of the things we talked about, what's a great thing if you can, if you can get that rookie uh, first round pick, if you can get that elite player at whatever position on that rookie contract with the fifth year option. I mean, it's just such an advantage, especially when you're going to suddenly be 
tight against the salary cap because you've got all these other guys that you need to extend. So draft the right defensive end, Andrew Barry, and then you're going to have a much better chance, a much better chance of matching up with these quarterbacks who you're going to have to get past to get to where you want to go. Yeah, and suddenly, you know, we, we've talked in the past, less so this year, but obviously – uh, for last season of, hey, man, the defensive line, that's the strength of the team. And now it's, it's starting to look like Miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson, who's a little inconsistent. And I, by the way, I do wonder about him because he's another big money guy. And that that's really it. You know, they, they like some of the guys they have, the young guys um, like Elliot, but that, that that's starting to look like a tough position group, which we will talk about more in the future during the offseason, I am sure. Nate, we're starting to get a little bit long here, uh, but do you have anything else this week before we before we check out? Uh, this week, I'll just I'll just a real quick note on Kevin Stefanski won the um, Coach of the Year from the Pro Football Writers of America. Um, that's a well deserved. Of- yeah, yeah, definitely. And I've long said and predicted. Um, well, I, I wouldn't say predicted necessarily. I've long said that he deserves to be the NFL coach of the year, with the official NFL coach of the year, decided by the Associated Press, a panel of 50 um, national media members assembled by the Associated Press. And that award is announced up. February 6th in the NFL honor show. So that's, that's the big one. And, you know, a little side note is that Baker Mayfield was the PFWA rookie offensive rookie of the year in 2018. But then he lost the official AP NFL rookie of the right. year award to Saquon Barkley. So it would not be unprecedented for, for that to flip flop and, but I, I, I stick into my stance that Stefanski is definitely deserving of all the Coach of the Year awards. And, uh, you know, I, I think he probably will win the official one here in a couple weeks, too. Well, get your buddy Tom Withers out on the campaign trail. He's a he's going to vote for AP Coach of the Year, right? I mean, come on. No, it's Tom's not. Gotta it's, hit not the like, pavement. <laughs> no. it's not like. No. It's what? not like that. No, it's not. It's not just a bunch of AP writers. Um, uh, Tom is a buddy. He's a great guy. Um, yeah, but he's not actually one of those 50 voters. What an injustice. Yeah. We 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 need to set AP straight. <laughs> Stinking AP. What do they know anyway? No. Uh, the Associated Press is great, obviously, but. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to watch, you know, if if it's not Kevin Stefanski, who is possibly deserving, obviously. You know, I, I'm always in favor of someone like Andy Reid getting it, but we, we know how those votes go. So Kevin Stefanski has a great chance. Uh, some tough competition like Sean McDermott of the Bills and, and some others. But, man, it's what a different podcast this time of the year we just did. And less doom and gloom than ever talking about the Cleveland Browns here on the Cover 2 podcast. But that is going to do it for our show this week. If you've been listening this whole time and you're still sticking around, thank you so very much. We really do appreciate 
everybody who has been listening to us. Again, you can find all 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 of our work over at beaconjournal.com slash sports slash Browns. Make sure you're following Nate on Twitter. He's at by Nate Ulrich because the NFL season might be over for the Browns. But it's always it's always going on. There's there's gonna be a ton of stuff going down, a ton of news happening. So make sure you're following Nate for the latest. Thank you very much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time.